Chapter Seven of Geographical Reader Europe by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter Seven Manufacturing England. At one time, the farms of England were more important than her factories. The English not only raised all the food they needed, but were able to export wheat to other countries. It is far different today the soil still produces abundantly but the people have so grown in number that if all the farms were worked they could not supply england with enough to eat for one month the result is that most of the food is brought in from abroad and the greater part of it from the united states steamships loaded with grain flour and meat are always leaving our seaports for different parts of great britain the english are raising less and less food every year and there are now more than six persons in the factories to every one on the farms today we shall travel through some of the great manufacturing districts we go on southward passing many towns and stopping at big cities half hidden in smoke the farms are still large but the landscape is dotted with groves of smokestacks much as our middle states are dotted with trees those smoking groves are the sites of manufacturing villages we are now in a district where the whole country is one vast workshop we pass mines where sooty-faced men are getting coal and iron out of the earth we go by long trains of coal cars by great piles of slag the refuse of the furnaces which are turning the ore into pig iron and steel see how their tall chimneys are pouring out smoke and flames into the sky the din of the machinery from the vast ugly many-windowed factories almost drowns the noise of the train how dirty everything is the towns and cities are black with the smoke the air is full of soot and we look with disgust on our soiled collars and cuffs each wondering if his face can possibly be as dirty as that of his neighbor we ask if much of england is like this and are told that it is and that the english are one of the chief manufacturing nations they make more woolen cloth than any other people they weave enough cotton every year to carpet a road wider than almost any road in our country clear around the world they make more things out of iron steel and copper than any other nation of europe and there is scarcely an article in common use which they do not manufacture for sale they sell more goods to other countries than any other people notwithstanding much of the stuff which they use in making the goods comes from abroad but why is this little island such an important manufacturing country we shall see some of the reasons as we travel from one busy district to another in the first place england has railroads and canals almost everywhere and so many good seaports that it costs but little to put the goods on the ships which are to take them to markets the english are so rich that they have plenty of money to build factories they are a thrifty people and skilled in handling tools and machinery but what is still more important they have the richest coal fields of europe and their coal fields are near the sea we shall find the chief factories right in the coal fields for it is cheaper to use the coal where it is mined than to carry it over the country the freight rates are so low however that we find factories almost everywhere we first visit the northumberland coal fields in northeastern england they are the largest in great britain producing thirty million tons of coal every year and feeding many great factories we stop at newcastle at the mouth of the tyne 
and watch the great steamers loading coal for shipment abroad and wander about through its noisy shipbuilding yards which are almost as large as those we saw on the clyde below glasgow farther south we enter the coal fields of yorkshire it is smokier than ever but we forget all about the dirt as we go from town to town and factory to factory seeing many wonderful things we spend some days in leeds on the river air visiting the great woolen mills and watching the sales in the cloth halls on market days leeds is the centre of the english woolen industry and in it and in the towns nearby all sorts of weaving are done we watch them making all kinds of cloth and learn that england has long been noted for its woolens it employs more than a quarter of a million people in its cloth factories and consumes vast quantities of wool from australia new zealand and argentina we visit the mills where silk velvets are woven go to halifax to learn all about carpets and at bradford watch them make worsteds at dewsbury near leeds we visit one of the chief blanket factories where our guide informs us that the first blanket ever made was woven in thirteen forty by an englishman named thomas blanket his goods were so peculiar that the people called them after his name blankets we listen without comment although we know that blanket is from a french word meaning white do you want a good pocket-knife they make some of the best knives in the world at sheffield in this same yorkshire coal district the city lies in a nest in the hills at the junction of several streams with the don it is as smoky as pittsburgh and has almost as many factories and foundries it is the centre of the cutlery industry being especially noted for its razors scissors and all kinds of fine tools which it exports to all parts of the world it has been making tools for three hundred years and it annually sends hundreds of thousands of knives across the ocean to us let us enter one of the knife factories a knife is a little thing but it may give us a lesson in geography there is a box of samples showing the different kinds of knives made in this factory take a dozen knives out and look at them open one and draw the edge of the blade across your thumbnail it cuts smoothly and is as sharp as a razor that blade was made of iron from sweden it was dug from the mines there and sent across the north sea to england that the workmen might have the best ore for their steel look now at the other parts of the knife and see how each of them has travelled far and long to get here sheffield makes one think of cinderella for she sits in the ashes of her coal pits and prays to her fairy godmother commerce who straightway waves her wand and performs miracles for her the fairy raises her hand and the miners of sweden dig out this ore and it is carried to the ship she moves it again and starts the metals in those brass rivets from their homes in the mountains of south america and the united states again and the nickel which plated the ends of the handles comes from the mines of canada across the atlantic ocean while the silver in the nameplate was probably contributed by the inhabitants of peru and crossed the isthmus of panama or went south around through the strait of magellan before it began its longer ocean voyage to sheffield observe the variety of materials in the knives and wonder what a story each handle could tell of its travels here is one of ivory from the wilds of central africa the handle of that knife beside it came from the horn of a reindeer which perhaps dragged the sleds of fur-clad people over the snows of siberia and this lady's penknife 
has a handle made from an opalescent shell which was once the home of a pearl oyster in the waters of our philippine islands there are some of brown shell from the backs of tortoises which were crawling along the banks of the amazon when they were captured for sheffield and just beyond is one made from the horns of an east indian buffalo this white-handled knife is bound with plates of vegetable ivory grown on the palm trees of tropical south america and those bone handles have come from skeletons of cattle which once galloped over our western plains with cowboys behind them the manager tells us they are made from the shank bones and are known to the trade as boston bones we think he should rather name them kansas city omaha or chicago bones for it is at those cities that most of our cattle are killed for shipment to europe if we had time to spend in manufacturing england we should find dame commerce performing wonders like these for every city and village she sets all nations to work to get our material for the english to make over into things for themselves or to ship abroad for sale we should see how hides and skins are torn from the backs of all sorts of animals to keep busy the half million englishmen who are working in leather how the wool is clipped from millions of sheep in other parts of the world to supply her vast army of weavers and how silkworms are raised and their cocoons reeled off by the almond-eyed people of china and japan to furnish thread for the factories near leeds which we saw making silks ribbons and velvets we next visit birmingham the industrial capital of middle england it is situated where was once the forest of arden a dense woods which in former times extended through warwickshire and others of the midland counties of england in the country about there are iron mines and long before it was known that coal could be used to smelt iron the people made charcoal for the purpose from the trees of this famous forest at that time every house was a little factory having its own blacksmith shop in which the whole family worked the women and children pounding out nails chains and other small articles later coal was brought from the mines nearby and birmingham became one of the chief iron-making centers of the world the people were already skilled in handling tools and they soon learned to make things by machinery at present birmingham produces millions of steel pens every year and millions upon millions of screws and nails and so many pins and needles that if you should sit down and try to count the number made in one month you could hardly finish the job in your lifetime the city has also foundries and factories for heavy machinery steam engines and cannon it makes vast numbers of bicycles and sewing machines and also buttons and jewelry and other articles of every description from iron brass steel copper and tin as well as from silver and gold it makes so many toys that it has been called the toy shop of europe and we enjoy ourselves going through the establishments where toy engines little iron wagons and countless other things to amuse children are made in large quantities from birmingham we take a train for manchester situated in the lancashire coal fields to see the cotton mills which are fed by the plantations of our southern states england is our best customer for cotton and we sell her millions of bales every year her soil is such that she cannot raise cotton but nevertheless making cotton thread and weaving cotton cloth are by far the most important of all her industries and she has twenty-five hundred factories 
in which more than a half million people are employed including one hundred thousand children we pass through many cotton spinning towns on our way to manchester for the lancashire coal fields are densely populated the country is dotted with smokestacks and the water is so discolored by the dyes used for calicoes and other cloths that the streams and canals seem to flow ink we visit preston where in seventeen sixty eight arkwright set up his first mill to weave cotton by machinery and at blackburn in a little valley nine miles away see where hargraves established his spinning jenny at about the same time both towns are still important weaving places preston being noted for its yarns and fine cotton cloths we spend some days in manchester going through its many warehouses and its numerous factories it is the fourth city of great britain in size and its commerce has been much increased by the canal which its people have dug out to the sea for a long time all the cotton used here was landed at liverpool and thence shipped by rail to the factories by the manchester canal large steamers can come from the ocean right into the city and bring the cotton from our country almost to the doors of the mills this canal is one of the wonders of great britain it is more than thirty-five miles long one hundred and twenty feet wide and twenty-six feet deep it cost a vast sum but manchester people believe it will make their city grow as glasgow did after the deepening of the clyde a part of this canal was made by deepening the little river irwell which flows through manchester on its way to the sea we take a trip on the canal passing cotton mills all the way down now we pass some ships from new orleans savannah and galveston coming up or unloading cotton bales at the mills on the banks and now pass cotton ships from egypt and india there are other vessels loaded with manufactured goods going downstream and we have company all the way until we enter the mouth of the mersey in the crowded harbor of liverpool and anchor there in one of the chief commercial ports of the world liverpool is about as big as boston it is next to london the chief port of great britain and is one of the busiest places in europe we land at the magnificent stone docks which wall the banks of the mersey for miles looking longingly at the great steamers from new york which are unloading meat wheat and other american products and taking on english manufactured goods to carry back home see that ocean greyhound which is about starting out we might go on board and within less than a week be back in dear old america we hesitate only a moment however and then turn our eyes toward the great steamers from germany france scandinavia and the mediterranean ports remembering the many strange countries of europe which we have yet to see we stroll about the docks many of them surround great pools into which the ships are admitted through water gates for it is often difficult to unload in the harbor on account of the great rise and fall of the tide in the mersey other ships use floating landing stages for this reason the floats rising and falling as the tide comes in and goes out we soon leave the wharves for a trip through the city we visit the custom house the town hall and the stock exchange and then take a train for stratford-on-avon for all of our party are eager to spend a day in visiting the birthplace of shakespeare the great poet and dramatist we stay overnight here at the old red horse inn where washington irving lived when he was in stratford and next morning wander about the town visiting the house in which shakespeare was born the church where he was buried 
and the cottage in which he courted anne hathaway who became his wife in the afternoon we drive to the old castle of kenilworth only a few miles away thence we go into coventry a town famous for its manufactures of watches bicycles and ribbons and from there by fast express to london End of chapter 7